0: I am especially excited for today's episode because I found an article two weeks ago, but I haven't had time to go through it to break it down for the podcast. But I finally gave myself 30 minutes to unpack it. Mm-hmm. And I haven't read everything in it. I'm keeping parts of it a surprise for us okay. so, so that we can laugh. I love that. And it's, uh, it's going to be about career burnout. Uh-oh. But <laughs> it comes with four real people so it's like a it's from a psychoanalytic journal okay and it comes with four real people and four real things that they went through and how they solved it and it has like basically like clear bio and then clear resolution and i was like i think we could have fun with that
1: speaking of which which, i'm sammy i'm
0: skylar welcome
1: to today's episode what an intro
0: yes because i'm we're
1: really like setting the stage we're really
0: i'm a week and a half into the new job i'm already exploring burnout (laughs) <laughs> so. You're already
1: just thinking about but when it, it'll But the ends. timeline doesn't we add up because I
0: hadn't even started yet and I was yeah. Googling burnout.
1: <laughs> I like, this is I so classic love me. that.
0: So we are, uh, you you are currently roasting vegetables. So <laughs>
1: We just uh, want to get rid right of that.
0: A timer will be going off in 10 minutes.
1: It's, yeah, about 10 minutes.
0: For you to go s- grab just go vegetables. go check on them.
1: I'm just casually making like Brussels sprouts and uh carrots and and you're got a nice little balsamic glaze on little them
0: balsamic glaze the whole illinois. shebang yeah tomorrow you're leaving for um a disc golf tournament
1: yeah so uh, just like we did a couple weeks ago um we're going back to peoria illinois and we are um is it indiana pure Peor- no peoria illinois 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 yep For sure. (laughs) Now I'm not, I'm just doubting everything. Where am I? Um, And we're going to be competing for a week in a prestigious disc golf tournament. Uh, It's an A-tier tournament, and I will actually be competing this time, where last time I couldn't because I was so young, I couldn't get in.
0: You're just a baby.
1: So young. (laughs) Uh, Because the last one was Masters, it's 40 and up, so... This one I'm competing. We're going with Christina and Matt, which is a couple we talk about a lot. Um, and this is going to be their first big tournament. It's actually going to be Matt's first tournament. But we're all really like excited to just kind of spend the week together in disc golf. And then we actually got ourselves um, like a hotel room conjoining like suite. Mm-hmm. So we each have our own individual rooms, but it connects, you know, in the middle with like a little kitchenette and so stuff. So you
0: guys can open it up if you want Yeah.
1: So yeah. If, like when we're all hanging out, we can meet in the middle and play our board games and like we've packed our board games. They're going to pack their board games and basically like bringing just, all the
0: board games.
1: We, well, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just excited to, you know, be outside, get some good exercise, hopefully avoid getting poison ivy as best as possible. I'm hoping to win, uh, but I have, like, not practiced. Like, I should be practicing for an A-tier tournament. So, Mm -hmm. my... um...
0: What's your guess for percentage coverance of your body that you'll come back with regarding Poison IV?
1: (sighs) Well, it won't set for, like, another week. (laughs) I'm going to say I'll definitely get a little bit probably on my forearms. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, slightly around the ankles. But I have long socks and stuff this year because. Do
0: you learned your lessons and well, stuff. Well, I
1: know the. I kn- at least know one of the courses that we'll be playing again. Last year I went in blind and hadn't played any of the courses. And sometimes the courses are very poison oak free and poison ivy free and poison sumac free. Like sometimes they're just maintained, well cut, like really open courses where you don't even have to think about it. And other times courses are like literal poison ivy jungles. And even when you have a good shot, you're inside of like
0: poison ivy poison
1: ivy, or like weeds or where like ticks are. You got to really watch out for ticks and things like that. I mean, I'm really selling the sport here, mm-hmm. I realize, but you just don't know what you're going to get. Now I'm really aware of a lot of the courses that are around there and... I think there's one or two new ones that I'll play that I don't know, but I'm like, I just know that like long socks are the vibe here that like, I'm going to get myself into trouble at least once. And I don't want to be miserable. Cause this was when I came back last year and a week or two later, my poison Ivy like took over my whole legs. It was crazy awful. But, um, I kind of know exactly where I was when I got it and I knew I had to go get my disc. And I was like, This is not great. I have no other options. So (laughs) love that for me. Either way, I'm very excited. I've been packing and doing laundry and trying to prep things all day. Um, But, like, leisurely because it's also Sunday. And I didn't take any um, students or appointments tomorrow, like any clients. So I still have things I want to get done for work. But um, if I need to, like, finish things up cleaning or packing or go running an errand or something, I have the day. Which is just, like... I do. So great. I'm very proud of myself. Um, yeah, so that's that's the thing here. We'll be gone for a week though, so hopefully Skylar can keep my Phoebe alive.
0: Oh god. <laughs> Every time that's the worry. I know. So let's jump into this article because okay. who knows how long it'll take.
1: Okay, and yeah, and we are we have no expectations for how long this episode's going to be today. So. so
0: this is actually from the Journal of Employment Counseling. So this is like not psychology today. This one's from... Oh,
1: we're going off the grid. We're, we're going
0: off the fucking grid with oh, this one. we're going off the map. And this one's called Unconscious Determinants of Career Choice and Burnout, Theoretical Model and Counseling Strategy by Ayala Malak Pines. And wow, or- well done there. And Orania Yafni Yanai. So those, yes, I tried my best with those But listen to this Mm -hmm. This article is psychotherapeutic Mm -hmm. So sometimes in psychotherapy uh, sciences and articles, they're not afraid to go there oh okay like go there go there as in like your mother's unsatisfied sexual urges oh led to you needing something from someone or something you know like or the, like
1: caused you to have yes. some sort of like suckling tendencies suckling tendency. or something so it, it
0: is very much <laughs> okay. that vibe okay
1: well let's get but into it so I, trigger warning for trigger
0: warnings for everyone for like
1: mom's sexual things I guess I don't know
0: Like, but I love that kind of stuff oh,
1: oh baby baby what's you doing are you okay
0: yes yeah, I'm sure she's good
1: are you okay did you get scared? Something hurt you? By
0: my loud booming voice. What just
1: happened? Phoebe was sleeping on my chest and then just got a little. Dude, you're shitting so much.
0: So okay. okay. So let me, let me hey, get into this.
1: Are you okay? No. I'm worried about my. Do- okay, bye. Okay, she's, it, fine. Or, like, she's,
0: fine. She's, fine. she's fine.
1: She's fine. She's fine. She's fine. She just. I think maybe she got scared in her sleep. You know, you know, like, when you're about to fall asleep, you're going to dream, and then you get, like, that, like, falling, and your whole body does that? Mm-hmm. I think she just had that, but the equivalent for dogs.
0: Oh, I'm sure dogs have that, too. Okay. So, the psychoanalytic existential approach assumes that the root of career burnout lies in the need of human beings to believe that their lives are meaningful, that the things that they do, and consequently they themselves, are important and significant. So basically, this oh. <laughs> article kind of okay. argues that burnout doesn't necessarily come from overworking. Overworking. It also doesn't necessarily say that burnout comes from being given too many tasks, mm. because we'll see later that sometimes the
1: Bare thing minimum. That, sometimes
0: is, the thing that helps yeah. people is actually acquiring more tasks. Mm. Everyone is so different. So it's saying like if there's there's no one reason for burnout, except for this idea. That believing that we're meaningful in the things that we do and consequently like ourselves are important and significant. Yeah. So, you've experienced burnout in your last job for sure. For sure. Do you think that if you dug a little deeper below surface things of like, I'm annoyed at work, you know, I'm not getting the support that I need, that there could have been like a tie to something about like your significance? as a person and like your importance or
1: um i mean yeah but i i think
0: because it's so different when it comes to like from an hourly job versus like you know i mean a career where it's so
1: funny because like it like how do you say this without sounding condescending but like Mm -hmm. i knew that that's what it was oh like i had already been developed Self-aware wise, knowing that like, I wasn't getting validation for the work that I was doing and it was bothering me. And like, not only that, I was being like, I don't want to talk badly and stuff mm. like that about my, my previous employers, Absolutely. but like at the same time, my
0: previous employers don't care. So yeah. we'll get into that. If no, you know. I
1: mean, I just, yeah, no, cause there was a lot of good things about the job too and stuff, yeah. but it was, I was very aware that a lot of my burnout didn't come from having too many tasks. It was having too much on my plate and there not being any sort of, like, um, back and forth that seemed appropriately balanced for the way in which, like, energy or communication or praise or even just, like, understanding happened between me and my coworkers, my bosses, and, you know, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Um, Even the clients or, like, the, the buyers and things like that. It felt very uh, disconnected mentally, emotionally, and that partly I'm sure was on me, and I just couldn't figure out how to do that. And a lot of it was just yeah. things being off. So I knew that like, it wasn't technically about the tasks mm-hmm. at hand. Um,
0: it was other things. Yeah,
1: it was other things.
0: So when I worked at that big box store that I recently quit, um, when you work somewhere That is like a big box corporate retailer. Yeah. You know that you are a cog in the machine.
1: Yeah, they make that like. It's explicitly clear that
0: you as an individual are a number. Like, you don't have any significance, no meaning. They will replace you when you go. Like, your job is set up to be replaced.
1: Yeah. You are the most replaceable. (sighs) Even when you get to upper management.
0: Yes, I mean, like, the whole corporate structure exists so that. I mean, for, to, for its own safety, to keep, keep it going. And I feel like S- S- Sammy is getting the vegetables out of the oven right now. How's the glaze?
1: Let's see. I don't know if the carrots are ready. The
0: carrots aren't ready.
1: Do you guys want
0: some? Do you guys want some? <laughs> so. Oh,
1: these Brussels sprouts look bomb.
0: The Brussels sprouts do smell like farts. She's going to let them be done. So let me continue reading for our listeners, and I'll catch Sammy up when she gets back. So, Frankl wrote that the striving to find meaning in one's life is a primary motivational force. He believed that people's need to believe that the things they do are meaningful is their way of dealing with the angst caused by Mm -hmm. facing mortality. So to be able to deny death, they need to feel important and even heroic. So, one of the issues is today is that a lot of people extract meaning from career and from work more and more people are going the opposite route and extracting meanings from other things but some people still do Mm. you know obtain meaning from work
1: I would say that there is like a little bit of a cultural revolution right now in Mm -hmm. not just having a job to have a job or not just having a job to make money there is a lot more of like I want to make my hobbies a career and um, I think social media has made that a lot more visibly possible for people, whether it is using the, those platforms to get that, get those means or just by watching other people be successful at turning something that they love to do into a career and it motivating them to try and do the same. Mm-hmm. So I can see that. But then there's uh, the flip sure. side
0: where now your career and your meaning are literally entwined.
1: Well, yeah. Oh, no, for sure. So that is something that I think um, I've had conversations with a few people about recently and. Uh, Yeah, I won't like say who, but there's like someone who's close (laughs) to me, I guess, who's like really going through that as well. And I'm like kind of trying to toe that line because it is not only is it difficult when you make your hobbies your job, it is even more difficult when you make your hobbies and your beliefs your job. Mm -hmm. So, um, because it feels like sometimes that you need to wrap up your beliefs in every single thing that you do, which is very positive and seems like what, what could be wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you don't, you just want to like do your job and not have to be like existentially crisis moment about everything (sighs) every two seconds. Um, yeah, it's difficult, especially when you're trying to market your job or your product or your service or whatever and you're trying to market it to a mass audience or you know even like people in your real life and your beliefs are wrapped up in it and people try and come and tell you in some way shape or form or you know somebody like doesn't have the same belief system it can be really tricky because not only are they Not valuing, wanting, or buying your product or service, they're also in a way telling you that, like, rejecting you and your beliefs. So that really does play like such a weird psychological factor into, I don't know. So, in
0: eras previous to the end of the 20th century, religion was the most commonly chosen quote unquote hero system or a way to feel significant. For many people today, however, work is one of the frequently chosen paths for finding existential significance. Like, especially those big ticket careers like lawyer, doctor. Mm um like working your way up and like owning like a charity organization yeah you know those types of things where your existential meaning is tied up into this idea of career yeah so why does one person achieve a sense of meaning by being a teacher um someone being a nurse or a third being a manager
1: people are teachers because they want to boss people around what were the other ones
0: a nurse
1: Nurses really like wiping butts.
0: Yes, same. And managers.
1: Managers.
0: Just love managing people like teachers. Managers
1: are the people that don't want to be told what to do, but that don't have the balls to like run their own company. <laughs> You're welcome Damn. for everyone I offended.
0: That's like all of our listeners. I can't even name another career outside of those three things at this point. So the choice of a <laughs> career people. is complex and multifaceted, and it includes all spheres of a person's life. So things can all be like blah, 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 blah. So the psychoanalytic vintage point is is psychological determinism. It assumes (laughs) that the work that any person undertakes in almost any environment except in extreme situations is to some extent determined by personal choice and made at several levels of consciousness. Now this article was written in the early 2000s. So this hasn't aged as well Mm -hmm. in terms of Basically, it was saying a psychoanalyst can tell a lot about you based strictly on what your job is. Okay. It implies a lot of things about you. I, I agree. I agree with that, too.
1: Especially as an astrologer. Like, tell me what you do and why you think you do it, and then I will yeah, literally I link saying, it back to your astrological natal chart.
0: And, um, however, there's also the flip side that sometimes people find themselves in situations where they had to take something that they would never dream of taking. Yeah, then I'll was, look
1: at your transits.
0: And then, yeah, look at... <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you'll tell me why you don't want to be in that job, and I'll tell you I know. Just stick it out until Saturn hits a different house, and we'll work on it. So, <laughs> am I ruining this? Because I'm purposely so, trying to ruin this.
0: I mean, besides all that, <laughs> when you have a career or something that you do, or just like your regular day job, yeah. not even, even if it's nothing big, a lot can be told about you based on like what you picked why you had to pick it. Yeah. Because even though you didn't get a lot of choice, sometimes in the job that you had to take, it still says a lot about you because you had to find yourself in that situation. You know? I
1: think it's always been something that like, and maybe in my best quote, I don't know. I know. I think I like this about myself.
0: <laughs> still deciding. Yeah.
1: I'm still deciding. I have really, I did not choose a job that I did not have some sort of interest in. Mm -hmm. Uh, and maybe that's privilege where I've always like been it could be partly Mm -hmm. it's definitely gotta have privilege in there Mm -hmm. Uh, but I also think that I really just would rather get paid less to do something that was more pleasing to me which is also something that I have done Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so I've turned down jobs that like i probably should have taken
0: yeah <laughs> but
1: then i was like this sounds awful. sounds awful i would rather get paid like literally Pays. so shit so that i could just do this what i've, name, def- name I've five definitely jobs been i've definitely been in that
0: situation too yes. name five jobs that i've had
1: yeah
0: um fashion more- fashion retailer at body central what the fuck yeah
1: Wait, how long did you work there? God,
0: a year for a minimum wage. $7.25. I was 16.
1: Are we going through all your jobs?
0: So I worked at Body Central. I worked at Panera Bread. Uh-huh. Um, I worked at a restaurant as a server. Uh-huh. And then I worked um, at a yogurt shop. Uh-huh. And then I also worked at a hotel. Okay. And there's been other jobs sprinkled in there. Uh-huh. Those are the five main ones. You worked ones. at a liquor one? Oh, yeah. And I worked liquor. at a liquor store. Uh-huh. I worked, I sold Hoover, I sold Kirby vacuums for 48 hours.
1: So,
0: Um, so (laughs) I worked at a Randall's grocery store for 24 hours Uh in the meat department. That did not last. It did not go well. Yeah, and um, I worked at a hotel again. Uh
1: huh. You worked
0: at a hardware store I worked at a hardware store I forgot yeah, about that you... it Took up a huge chunk of my life And somehow that didn't yeah, Make the list It's
1: too soon I've already
0: blocked it it's out
1: It's too soon <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've done a lot of Different things Yeah Oh, You know the whole The whole spectrum Of type of work Yeah I've done it I I also worked as a paralegal For 24 hours
1: Okay
0: Love that quit after 24 hours yeah, that like, was quite the day I
1: like this is not for me
0: uh, yeah i've had a few jobs that were only one day
1: i've had a lot of jobs and i feel like i'm gonna forget them i was a hostess i
0: like at a restaurant
1: yeah it was like my first job job um i worked at panera bread as well i worked at a hair and nail salon as like a receptionist but it was like a bougie one Hmm. um and that was, that was a time. That was a time. I have Keep going. a lot of stories from that, though. I just I haven't thought about working there in so long. So like things are coming back, thinking about that place. Um, I nannied uh, for multiple families, which, like I, everybody, babysits at some point. I feel like, but like I nannied basically um, for like two two different families. Uh, I, what else did I do? Worked at a paint store, but it was like a family run paint store. Uh, I really loved that job actually. And I just didn't get paid enough. I had to like find other, other means, I guess. I worked at a plant nursery and I loved that job. I did those simultaneously at at, at some point too, so that I could, because neither would give me enough hours, and they both paid about the same. So I just, like, worked a lot, really hard, so that I didn't have to get another job, like, a different job. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm not making enough money, but, like, I really love these two individual jobs. So if I just work, like,
0: a billion my entire hours.
1: existence, I'll be able to pay my rent, you know? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I worked for... The the, the the flower shop, or, like, the... Plant nursery outside was a family owned business as well. I'm very into family owned businesses. I don't love the corporate life. Mm -hmm. I've really tried very hard to get out of there um, or not to do that. I've worked as a server um, and the restaurant was like a bar restaurant where it was like on the water. So like boats would come up. We've talked about that before. I worked as an usher in a theater. Um... I uh, so yeah worked at the ticket booth fucking a lot of stories about that too um what else did i do
0: everything i
1: literally have done everything yeah so then i worked at um a contemporary fine art glass gallery and am i missing now anything i feel like yourself. i'm missing something
0: so now after you've listed all of this let me read this okay People choose occupations that enable them to replicate significant childhood experiences.
1: Oh, I absolutely, I definitely. Satisfy
0: needs that were unfulfilled in childhood and actualized dreams passed on to them by their family. Yikes. So not only do we replicate childhood experiences, we're also satisfying needs and actualizing dreams that were passed on to us by significant parental figures. Okay. So yeah, let's unpack that. I like, so, that for So in this one guy's psychoanalytic analysis of famous business leaders, he found frequently that successful managers had absent fathers.
1: Um like okay. a lot
0: of su- people that are successful. What's, in- exa- what's your
1: exam what's your what's your what's your what's your job? What's your vibe here?
0: I'm a manager now
1: you just got there. Well, what I was I was with? the manager
0: of the yogurt shop. <laughs> and that counts. That fucking counts.
1: <laughs> the the job where you told everyone you were allergic to mangoes. Yeah. Wow, great managing. <laughs>
0: the general manager. <laughs> I generally managed everything, all right?
1: <laughs> was your father generally not around? My father was wasn't.
0: generally absent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so funny because George's father was um
0: So the absence can be listen to this, okay. this applies to George. The absence can be real, the father is dead, or the absence is psychological. Okay. Father is absent psychologically.
1: Okay. Yeah, because George's father's very nice man and works
0: alive and well. And
1: alive and well. Like so well it's shocking uh, for everything. Um He's a very nice man and he just worked every day of his entire life and like never was home and just mm-hmm. really provided for his family um, but yeah, he wasn't around a lot and we've talked about it so it's not like I'm saying something on the podcast yeah. it's not like he has an address or whatever <laughs> and it's like some weird Shocking. thing yeah I mean he just he was a man that worked a whole lot and now George is a very so well
0: George's desire to manager. be a manager expresses his desire to become his own father.
1: I'm sure. It means raising
0: himself again the right way with total control over his life and body. I love that. So individuals may continue to be influenced by familial forces that are outside their awareness or with which they have not been able to deal satisfactorily in the past. And these Mm. forces are also operating when they make career decisions. So um, a lot of times the type of work that we find or the ways that we're psychologically um, dealing with ourselves mm-hmm. is uh, we all know that things happen below the surface. Always. And some things will happen below the surface that we'll never know because they're below the surface. So, <gasps> Like there's this n-
1: TikTok I saw today of this girl talking about how, how awful her sister was because she went to some like foreign country and ended up getting a worm underneath their skin. And she was like, I don't know what this is. It looks like a worm. And she was like, that's so crazy and didn't do anything about it. And then the worm moved. And then she was like showing her sister and she's like, I don't know how she didn't just cut it open and pull that shit out and know what it was like it had literally moved underneath their skin and then she like why would she she make the sister do do
0: it and not go to the doctor she
1: literally was like go to the doctor please I'm begging you go to the doctor it's literally moved down your thigh into your calf like it literally is moved and then there was two of them and so then now it was like like they were moving around on her skin and she wouldn't do anything about it so then she finally went to the doctor and they were like yeah so turns out it's a worm in your skin like you have a worm so they had to take it out or whatever but the other one the second one is gone they couldn't find it so that means the second one was probably like burrowed inside her leg and like the sister was just like I don't this is what they mean when they're like why don't you and your sisters get along or why don't you identify like you know, with your, with your sister. And she was like, because that shit, like, the moment I noticed that shit, I would be digging that out, trying to figure out what's underneath my skin. But it, she was just like, eh, whatever. And then she just like nonchalantly was like, Yeah, actually I went to the doctor and it ended up being a worm. And then the other one's just like, can't find it.
0: Could never be me. <laughs> imagine. I have imagine my reaction if you and I were on a cruise. No, I know. And I found a fucking worm under my skin. No. Do you think I would ever be the same?
1: I've told you... Okay, we can't get into this. I've told you, though, that, like, Allison and I, like, w- we had, like, these, like, worm leeches that were, like, on our skin when we were kids.
0: Yeah, I remember you telling and me about that. And, her,
1: like, her mom, who was watching us, and her mom's best friend were, like, fist deep in, like, those, like, lemonade margarita packets that come in, like, the, yep. you know, like, the Capri Sun coolers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so they were just like you're crazy, Nava, no no and like we had to shower together with our bathing suits on and like pick them off of each other. And I remember like putting them out like on top of like a wooden railing on the deck of the place we were staying, so that they would dry out in the sun and we could go and see them. But they weren't there when we were gone, or we—they weren't there when we came back. And then we're like, did a bird come back and eat them? They were or they so crawled tiny. Away. Or yeah, like did they crawl away? Did they fall off? Did the wind take them? Because they were like, like minuscule. Like they were so small. Like, they weren't, like, wormworms. They were, like, little teeny, teeny... Yeah, and they would go, like... They were going, like, in our skin.
0: That is horrifying. I I hope hope everyone's
1: enjoying this podcast episode. I
0: hope for your sake that that was a shared delusion, but...
1: Well, okay, this wouldn't have been the first time that I was accidentally given, like... A parasite. No, or, like, a weed cookie or something. So, like, we could have, like, maybe, like... Yeah. You know, maybe Allison's mom and friend... Had some sort of, like, you know, thing. And, uh, and then maybe, I don't know, maybe we accidentally ate it and didn't know.
0: So there is a man named Freudenberger. Okay, me. <laughs> and Freudenberger believed that the most overtly committed and excessively dedicated professionals who use their job as a substitute for social life and are convinced that they are indispensable <laughs> are most likely to burn out. The reason is, is that these people attribute an inordinate sense of importance to their work, which they then take to be a demonstration of their own importance. And don't we all know someone that, I don't want to say that is like this. I want to say like that suffers from this.
1: Can you st- can you read the beginning again? Yes. I don't know what we're talking so about. It's like the they most don't overly
0: don't. committed, excessively dedicated people, like so dedicated to their careers. And they use those careers as a substitute for their social life. And they're convinced that they are indispensable, are most likely to burn out.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, that makes sense on the surface. It's just they place an inordinate sense of importance in their work, which they take to demonstrate their own importance. Yes. And so how do you detangle someone from that? I feel like... uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. We don't have an answer for that.
1: There's so many levels to this
0: right because I mean some people Especially are reparenting like, themselves like through their work so yeah. I, mean, I think sometimes people have to go through the process like yeah. this burn out and then move on so maybe that's just yeah, part mean, of I'm the human thinking, experience like, even
1: of a person that like has a very difficult time even taking like a single day off from like a job where they feel like it would crumble and fall without them but they've only been there for a little bit of time and it's really not like a heart surgeon job like it's not like this is an open heart
0: surgery yeah Yeah. like
1: you're not you know transplanting you and i had a great
0: conversation once about the we did uh, yes about specifically like heart and brain surgeons because we were like talking kind of about how like your career it's like really whatever blah 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 but that ultimately none of this can apply to everyone because some people really do have to take that shit so seriously and make it their lives yeah do you want your brain surgeon to not be super passionate to be like super scrolling involved, on
1: tiktok while he's like on fist TikTok? deep in your cerebral so like, like
0: i also totally get that this this shit doesn't get to apply to everyone no and like it's, it's the
1: general basis the general of human public. experience yeah maybe
0: but I always think of like brain surgeons and stuff because yeah. like they always it must suck nothing ever applies to you because you're a fucking brain surgeon literally you know there is no like legally mandated break after four hours when you're elbow deep in someone's brain you know you're yeah, doing the damn someone's thing
1: pineal gland
0: there's no like self care you get to do when you're self-care. extracting a, a gland yeah you know so like it just so many things when you think about it should apply to everyone but we all know that
1: that's just not possible it's just
0: not possible because we
1: have brain surgeons
0: because we have brain surgeons and also it also makes me feel better to know that we're all tough you know everyone's tough and like we all go through tough things and we all have to do things that are shitty and we'll all survive well most of us
1: no we will all die and nothing matters
0: and we'll also all die and nothing matters and
1: no one will remember you
0: so according to the psychoanalytic (laughs) approach
1: (laughs) <laughs> the greatest this is my passion- favorite episode so far. <laughs>
0: the greatest passion and the highest ego involvement are typically exhibited by individuals with unresolved childhood issues and most often re- issues regarding the relationships with a parent. So, people that have like the biggest passions for their work.
1: Are you gonna make me cry?
0: Biggest passions for their work. Are mo- like, have the biggest ego involvement and are like most forward moving, typically yeah. have the biggest unresolved issues <laughs> with their parents.
1: So, you want me to cry? Yeah. So, so, that's what you want me to do. You so want it, me to cry. Because
0: when they feel,
1: trying to get me to cry.
0: When they feel they have failed, when work does not give their life any meaning, they burn out.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So, I thought that was funny. So, let's listen to, I'm gonna give you some names and tell me which of these cases you wanna delve into. We've got Ralph, a 55-year-old man. No. Still scrolling. We've got Orly, a 37-year-old woman. Maybe. Maybe. Scrolling. We've got the case of Adam. He's 30.
1: Hmm. We've got
0: Joan, who's 30. We've got Jack, who's 32. We've also got Ruth, who's 49. Ruth. You like Ruth? Ruth. I haven't read Ruth at all. Little
1: baby Ruth. Ruth.
0: So, let's you let's you and I unpackage the case of Ruth. Okay. And let's see what we would do okay. and let's see what the experts did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And see how fucking off the base we okay. were. Okay, This is Ruth's presenting problem. A 49-year-old woman. She had worked for more than 20 years as a senior secretary in the foreign affairs office organizing their social events, <gasps> which this sounds is a career incredible. woman, yeah. all right? She came for counseling because she felt burnt out. She felt a need for change and for more significant work. I just want to say off the bat, first of all, I haven't read this all the way through, mm-hmm. but it's, it's interesting to me that someone like her would want more significant work. Hello, she works for the Foreign Affairs Office and organizes their social events. That sounds like so much fun, and it sounds like it'd be very fulfilling, and you'd get to meet all sorts of people, and...
1: no. For a while. For a while. Twenty years.
0: But then one day you wake up and you need something more significant.
1: Foreign affair socialite bullshit where people come and talk and politics and and, and they, you see that everybody nothing ever really ag- changes. Yeah, and everybody has their own agendas, and everyone bullshits, and it's all fakey-fakey. And some people really care, but then there's just always those... Like, I'm just... Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's so many entitled people because mm-hmm. they're being invited to these prestigious things. But we also like,
0: shouldn't uh, assume. Maybe she didn't have that experience.
1: I'm not saying that she did, but mm-hmm. we have to hypothesize here because we don't know... We
0: don't get to talk to Ruth. We don't
1: get to talk to Ruth. Let's go But to you were Ruth. saying, like, it, you're, like, saying face value. Like, that sounds like an incredible job. How could she want more? But, like, it's not like she's leading and she's, like, mm-hmm. the head of foreign affairs. She's... It, you know she's a secretary of some sort, and she's the
0: senior secretary, the
1: senior secretary, but like at the same time, yeah,
0: not the senior manager
1: exactly. She wasn't she, she emulating her father. Fa- yeah. <laughs> so her father,
0: yeah. So, this was, was Ruth's nice background. Ruth's father was a house painter and a hard working and cultured man who read extensively, and he had an interest in the arts and in aesthetics. Cute. Her mother was a homemaker, a hostess. And a simple woman who never learned a profession but valued education. The parents had a good marriage and both felt satisfied with their life. They valued um, hard work and dedication, but education and culture were valued above everything else. Ruth saw herself as her father's daughter and had difficulty connecting to her mother.
1: <sighs> hmm. hmm. D- is Ruth married and have children?
0: It doesn't say that it wasn't in her presenting problem.
1: Hmm. See, to me, if we're connecting to issues with mother... Your mother was kind of like a homemaker...
0: It, but she uh, was a wonderful hostess. And okay. she's a party planner now.
1: Got that. So that
0: kind of makes sense with the themes of this article. That she is living the unexpressed potential, maybe, of mom... Right. Being the perfect hostess.
1: Right, but what would be missing from that equation... Between her and her connection with her and her mother possibly her own connections with the daughter Whoops. and being able to have her child see her fulfill the potential that her mother had i don't know i'm just saying I don't know I'm, if I'm not saying people have to have children i'm just yeah. like if we're linking parental things and like maybe her mom i don't i don't know if she's lacking the connection with her mom but then i don't know
0: me either let's do the let's read the analysis okay analysis This was from the actual psychotherapist that worked Mm -hmm. with her. Ruth saw in her father's house painting work a creative entrepreneurial occupation that was related to aesthetics and to the visual environment. In her work as a secretary, she missed the entrepreneurial aspect of her father's work. Right. She also lacked a connection to her mother's activities and an emphasis on culture and education that both her parents valued. Ruth was ready to advance to a more responsible, challenging, and significant occupation. Hmm. So this was the proposed solution.
1: She started her own business. party. Planning. The
0: idea of starting her own business. Yep. That would organize social events related to arts and culture. Yeah. Offered Ruth the opportunity to combine the creative entrepreneurial side of her father with being a hostess like her mother in an area that was valued by both parents. The new career choice offered a good marriage, quote-unquote, between the internal images of her mother and her father. It required greater responsibility, commitment, and professionalism.
1: Yeah, and then this way she didn't have to have kids if she didn't want to. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: The personal growth and professional challenge offered by the new job enabled Ruth to find new significance. So, in each of the four... uh, I feel
1: like that one's pretty...
0: Yeah. Pretty easy. So, like, that was Ruth. And that made sense to me, like, the way that, like, mom and dad were set up Mom and dad loved cultures, loved the arts. Mom was a hostess, but dad was a house painter. And so, so she took all of those skills, and that was her the proposed solution in psychotherapy.
1: So what
0: don't, Ethan. What? Are you gonna ask me?
1: <laughs> what is your what do your parents do? I don't even know. Okay.
0: Um, but I can tell you now that if I was going to fuse. You do know. If I was going to fuse what my parents did for a living and uh-huh. make a, a a fusion career.
1: Uh-huh. I, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would be a psychic architect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the coolest
0: job
1: ever. Why don't you do that? That sounds incredible A psychic, a psychic artist, architect
0: uh, entrepreneur
1: That sounds incredible
0: I would have to like use my abilities to um, Actually let the land tell me what it needed from a space Instead of what a person wanted from a space
1: that sounds like the coolest job ever
0: Doesn't it fucking sound so cool? We
1: should just pretend that we do that and write TLC right now. Let's make
0: fake business cards and see if anyone ever calls us for our psychic architecture. we're going to go bigger
1: than that, bitch. We're going to become like the next Tyler Henry or like Teresa Caputo of like the Chip and Joanna Gaines world. Wait, we
0: walk around the house feeling the walls. The earth doesn't want this.
1: Yeah, we're going to be love it or list it, but like for like...
0: Just list it.
1: Yeah, no, Oh my God, this is gonna be great. I love this. Okay.
0: Now were there any... If I had
1: to fuse mine together, it would be...
0: Wait, hold on. Let me... (laughs) Wait a minute. Let me think for you for a second. Okay.
1: It would be a a chicken training... Handy woman.
0: (laughs) I was gonna say... Okay. I was gonna say Uh director of maintenance at the casino.
1: Yep. I love that. I love that. (laughs) But also customer
0: relations. But also customer relations.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh moving on.
0: (laughs) But if I was gonna choose my biological father for my fusion, I'd Uh be a psychic farmer.
1: I feel like all farmers are kind of psychics. Yeah, we've talked
0: about that before. Yeah.
1: I we think have. So. We have done that. So, architect is way more cool.
0: So, besides Ruth, like I said, we also had Jack. We also had Joan. We also had Adam. We also had Orly. And we also had who was that first person? Ralph. If you wanted us to talk about anybody else,
1: let's just see what our time is. What's it at? 41. Let's go ahead and read Adam, and then we'll wrap it up.
0: Okay, let's read Adam and wrap this shit up. I'm scrolling. I've
1: got some roasted vegetables
0: to eat, Jack, so... Ruth, where the hell is Adam?
1: He was towards the bottom.
0: Here he is. Here is Adam. Presenting problem. Adam, 30 years old. Mm-hmm. So close to my age. <laughs> this is going to hit home. Oh my god adam came for counseling because he felt burned out in his work as a house painter
1: oh here we go we got the dad
0: yes he wanted a job that would enable him to express himself work with his hands be more creative and help people which reading that though he's a house painter so he does get to express himself and work with his hands but maybe he doesn't get to be as creative as he wants
1: no people tell him what to do and he listens people tell him what to
0: do and he listens family background Adam's father owned a store for electronic equipment. He was unhappy in his work and every once in a while would close a store and then open another. Adam's father was closed, distant, and rejecting. Mm. Adam's mother did not have a defined profession. She worked as a music teacher, an aerobics teacher, and a secretary. She was dominant, active, and warm, and loved to help people. The parents', measure- the parents marriage was not good, and neither was ever self-actualized. Oh. Damn, Adam. So mom was dominant but warm and dad was distant and rejecting with Um, no redeeming qualities, it looks like. me.
1: (laughs) Um.
0: What's your analysis of that? And then we'll read the psychoanalyst's analysis.
1: Well, I love the fact that, like, okay, so um, there is a little bit of... There is a little bit of control even i don't know how to explain this when you're a house painter you have zero control and you also have more control than you would than an average than person an average person because you can say like oh i'll fit you in my schedule here i'll come to your house here like you have a little bit of say when you own an electronic store especially when it's like a place and which is i'm thinking like the dad would probably change stores a lot because of his want or need to do something outside of the same environment all the time. Yeah. When you do a house, when you're a house painter, you do the same thing over and over and over again, but you get to be in different environments. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that kind of solved a little bit of the problem that he saw his dad struggle with, mm-hmm. which was saying doing the work in the same location, which he would see his dad get restless and up and leave different locations. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, one of the ways that he probably unconsciously fixed that was by having a solid job where it was he the got same thing around. where he was in different environments every so often. So he thought he wouldn't get bored. And then the mother thing is was like there is an artistic flavor to the jobs that his mom had. So, you know, things like dancing, music teacher, those sorts of things did bring some sort of aesthetic or creative pleasure to another person and I feel like that's what painting is but it is a very degrading and physically laborious job um because like I said I worked at a paint store and I worked with painters and like they come in and they look like they've been at war um and even the happy ones that have been doing it for years like they can't keep doing it forever like it is a very difficult job
0: oh a very demanding Um,
1: and you bring a lot of happiness to people but you also can bring a lot of upset to people people are real weird about you being in their space and the things you can or can't do and like if a color's not right or you get a paint on anything like it's a hard job um shout out to the painters out there
0: if you're a painter thank you
1: yeah but also that would be my thing was is that it sort of tied in a little bit of both of those parents world like he like he like subconsciously fused the things mm. that he wanted to help them
0: so too. the psychoanalyst kind of said the same thing. The work as a house painter enabled Adam to work with his hands and move from one job to another like his parents. But now he felt burnt out and wanted a work that offered a greater intellectual challenge and an opportunity for self-expression. So this was the proposed solution that ended up happening. Mm-hmm. After wait, ta- wait,
1: what? Oh, you already read it?
0: Yeah, Okay. that right. was the analysis. I was
1: going to have you guess, but you already read it. Go ahead.
0: So now the proposed solution is after taking a course in electronics... Adam could open a lab for repairing electronic equipment, which enable him to be an entrepreneur, like his father in his father's area, work with his hands, and be intellectually challenged. In addition, it was proposed that Adam could work as a volunteer in a crisis center helping people in trouble. Adam thought that these changes were a step towards self-actualization. So, it looked like he...
1: Wait, so he just quit his painting job to do what his dad did? He quit his
0: painting job essentially to do what his dad did, but... To There's do it.
1: something missing there.
0: But it, I guess that it says that he had to volunteer in a crisis center, but also, I guess maybe because he was repairing stuff instead mm-hmm. of just selling. he wasn't selling. Oh, okay. electronic equipment. Okay. he was repairing it.
1: He was helping people.
0: Yes. So, like, maybe that was the aspect. I mean, maybe he always loved what his dad did, but he didn't want to sell electronics. Maybe he was like, I need to be uh, more hands on. I
1: feel like I'm l- being left a little, a little open there. I feel like maybe there's either something it, that wasn't it, described or I'm something leaving. It worked for Adam. On. Well, let's see. he's thirty. There's still time there's to fuck it time.
0: up. There's still time. I mean, oh, what if we found him? <gasps> Adam I'm gonna message. To I'm gonna message the podcast? authors of this article I'm, I'm sure there's like all sorts of confidentiality and we'll never find Adam but you're a Gemini <laughs> oh, I'll find him no. I'll so find him. yeah that was Adam and um
1: well thank you to the list of our little Adams, our little uh, Adams and Eve our little Adams and Ruth's. Um, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We really appreciate it. And a special thank you to our supporters on the following list of people. Thank you so much to Julie C, Anna M, Heather A, Alyssa S, Rebecca PK, Teresa D, Dominic B, Melanie W, Catherine L, Jesse D, David B, and Karen R. Thank you guys so much for supporting the Speaking of Witch podcast. We really appreciate it. If you want to follow us more, we, we post very special. Barsley, very, very little, but you can follow us oh, on Instagram. I'm logged Instagram. out of our
0: Instagram on my phone. I don't phone. Know what to tell
1: you. That sucks to be you. I'm gonna, was- <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram and just search. Speaking of which, and that's which W I T C H because we're magical. Mm-hmm. We're magical. And that's it. We. I'm gonna go eat my roasted Brussels sprouts and carrots and think about um, how to make
0: these business cards for our next.
1: How to Become a Psychic Architect. How to Become a
0: Psychic Architect.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm gonna write a book about-
0: Psychic architecting? Like telling
1: other people how to become a psychic architect. You know what I mean? I love it. Yeah, all right, sounds good. Bye! Bye.